Gotta start the show with sad news. Unfortunately, as the hockey world lost a great voice today, our thoughts are with the family of Dave Strader, who was part of the truly outstanding Dallas Stars broadcast team most recently, but whose resume was, of course, more decorated than just that. Uh, very sad news today. Fuck cancer. Let's hit the intro. Sackick fakes it, takes it, scores! Joe Sackick! Stuff and you're locked into the Burgundy Radio podcast for October 2nd, 2017. Coming up on the show, uh, preseason preview, a real season preview, uh, looking at the Avalanche roster, stupid predictions, and maybe even a little more than that. But before we play the whoosh, let's say hello to our disembodied voices for the week. Joining me as always today is Perlo Six. What's up, bro? Good afternoon, all. And joining us all the way from Little Russia, Quebec, it's Vladimir Putin. Hey, Vlad. Greetings. With the most recent news as of this recording, which is the placement on waivers of David Warsawski. Um, that means the Avalanche defensive roster is probably set. Uh, I'll start with the opening night roster last year, just for comparison's sake. We saw Tyson Berry, Francois Beauchemin, Eric Jelena, Eric Johnson, Fedor Tutin, Patrick Weirkosh, and Nikita Zadorov. Uh, this year's final seven, probably, only Eric Johnson, Nikita Zadorov, and Tyson Berry remain. And the team adds Mark Barbario, Andre Mironov, Anton Lindholm, and the big winner, Chris Begraw, with the caveat that Duncan Siemens has been waived but not yet reassigned. So I open the floor for discussion. What does this mean? Uh, they made good on their promises to go younger and fast. You know, they've been trying for years to do something about the defense. Um it's definitely an unproven crew, but I would take this unproven crew versus proven bad crew last year. Completely agree. With and that. and I'll that second that. that. I'll totally second that. I mean, we we knew what we were getting prior to uh, the start of the off season when we still had guys like Boschman on the roster, and we just. You could just see it. It was plain as day that there was just no way that there was going to be a spot for for uh, individuals like Boschman on the roster coming into this into this new season, and to give Sackick his younger, faster squad as he proclaimed as the season wound down, and now we see guys like Bigra and Mironov and Lindholm starting to uh, really get a legitimate shot to say, "All right, here's your spot." yourselves yeah i'm i'm all for it it's it's something that needed to be done uh, they had to have a little faith in what they were doing as far as drafting and acquiring uh talent other ways you know with uh with barbario um you know it, it if, if if anything it just gives us a, a little bit more hope that these fellows can through the season maybe through the first 20 games really acclimate to the NHL quickly and, and, and help the team become, you know, at least mediocre. What do you guys make of uh, Duncan Siemens not being reassigned yet? I find it slightly curious, but I can only see it working in Duncan's favor question mark. <laughs> okay. And I say, continue. I say question mark. Because 
the fact that they didn't send him back down to San, uh, to San Antonio shows, hey, we're we're glad that you showed us more, and we like what you've done. However, we're gonna kind of keep you on, on you know on deck just in case Lindholm tails off or Bigard tails off or someone gets hurt. For example, looking at you, Eric Johnson, stay away from the golf cart. But I think this is only a good sign for, at least for the organization, from the organizational standpoint, to say, hey, we have this defenseman who we've been essentially keeping, you know, on simmer for a while, letting him come into his own. And now if something does happen with these younger kids, we have someone who we know what we're getting and we can get him in there in case one of the young kids needs a little bit more time to marinate. I don't see how that's a bad thing for Duncan. I, I think it's, you know, I think it's nice that he's staying around. Um, he didn't have a very good camp. Um, they gave him every opportunity to, to prove himself. And, it you know, <clears throat> for whatever reasons, it just he, he didn't have a good camp. And, and that's that's kind of how it is. Uh, he was the last defenseman cut last year. He'll be one of the two last defensive cuts this year. So he and David Warsawski will be the, the first call-ups, assumedly. Uh, at least for you know the first half of the season, you'd imagine. Um, the one bad thing I see is that Bigra and Lindholm have passed him, which isn't totally unexpected. I guess maybe with Lindholm, I guess, if you're asking this question, looking back a year, maybe it was, but... Um, they've definitely passed him and, you know, that's, that can't be a great feeling, but, um, you know, he's good organizational depth. He's going to be, you know, a good leader down in San Antonio and he's a great guy and he'll help the younger guys out. So I I think organizationally he helps out a lot if he's not going to be able to play every night at the NHL level. So if if I remember right, both B. Graw and Lindholm are still waiver, uh, immune, that's not the word I want, but they can't. They aren't subject to waivers. That is correct. Yeah. Ineligible. That's it. Waiver ineligible. Right. I like immune better. Let's let's just switch it. They're both immune to wa- waivers. Miro is too, for that matter. You got an airplane going overhead. I can I can hear it. Oh, shut is it carrying Duncan Siemens? Um, but I mean, obviously Duncan does have to clear waivers and did. And uh, so will Wars of Sky, and you will probably know by the time you listen to this whether he cleared or not, um, which I would expect he will. Nobody gets claimed this time of year. Um, which, that kind of makes you think that might have been the reason that they went ahead and waived Siemens when they did, to make it less likely for some team to pick him up, because everybody's trying to narrow their roster down. Um, yeah. And they still have the flexibility to send him down for several weeks. We saw them do this with John Mitchell last year where they waved him and then played him. It's like, that was a strange situation, but it almost, there's almost some logic to it in this situation. Yeah. And it, they obviously wouldn't want to put Warsawski and, and Duncan on waivers at this, on the same day, just in case the unthinkable happens and both get claimed. So once Duncan cleared, they're like, all right, we've got that in the bag and, and now we can put Wars of Sky on and, so they've got their top nine, and, you know, it's 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 decent player management, if you ask me. Um, I just don't much care for the mixed signal myself. Like, you, you, 
put him through waivers, but you don't reassign him to San Antonio. You keep him with with the Avalanche. Like I I don't I, I don't care so much for the, for the mixed signals there. Like we we don't want you here, but we don't want to want you there either. Like make up your mind. Well, they they had games on Friday and Saturday and no practice today, so there's no point in me even going to San Antonio until tomorrow. No, that makes sense then. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, shout out to Chris Bigra, who, as we'll, we'll talk about later, has uh, kind of made his mark with, with the Avalanche preseason games, and looks like he's going to be starting the season probably on the bottom pair, I'd imagine. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a big jump, if you think about it, because he was, the, he was uh, one of the one of the first NHL type guys cut last year. Like he was the 10th cut, um, on defense. Um, and, and he's, he's gone from 10th on the depth chart up to probably, I want to say six, maybe even five. Um, and, and that's pretty impressive considering, you know, the rumors we heard that they did, they weren't too wild about his fitness in camp last year. And then he went through the concussion and various other injuries during most of last year. So he, he really How? got about it this summer and, and improved himself to the point where, you know, he's, he's, he's going to be playing hockey every night in the NHL as far as we can tell. How much of that is his improvement with you know adding into the fact there's no Jelena, there's no Boschman and guys of that kind. I'm clearly I only served to, you know, better his case to say, hey, here's my opening. Let me I want to make sure I get it. I I mean I think I think he basically skated and puck handled his way into this job. I I, I really think that what he did on the ice got him this job rather than attrition. Okay. I think it's a little column A, a little column B, because um, I mean, obviously the uh, the signings last year of Feder Tutin, for example, and then the acquisition of Eric Jelena, like that, those things don't happen if the team think that you're ready. So I mean, he had to convince somebody that he was ready, and to, so so they don't go and sign a veteran bottom pairing defender who they don't expect to hurt them that badly. That's cheap, you know. They don't. They don't have to add people ahead of him on the depth chart because they expect him to take that spot. Um, and, and maybe that was maybe uh, Jared Cohen was meant to be like a safe. Excuse me, a safety valve for that. Um, obviously, that didn't pan out in Jared Cohen's favor. Um, Thank but, goodness. Right. Um, yeah. But I mean, I. I think it's a little bit of both. There's there's a little bit of the attrition, but there's also a little bit of the there would be more bodies in the way if Bigrel wasn't ready. Well, I think also that they, you know, with, with their last place finish last year, they had access to whoever they wanted on waiver choice. So that was their safety valve. If, if Bigrel wasn't any better, then they could just you know take the best waiver wire defenseman you know that that was available and. You know, that was going to be the backup plan rather than locking themselves into toots or something awful like that. Yeah, the Avalanche are not up against the 50-man roster cap. No, they're not. Speaking of which, like, do they have enough players to field their rampage? Oh, yeah, they got plenty. Um, they have 
they made some cuts today. They're down to 24 down there. I think there are five players that the St. Louis Blues have assigned. Oh, that's right. They share. Okay, I forgot about that. Yeah. So they have plenty. And, you know, just from what I've seen, what the the potential is roster down, what the Blues have given them, you know, some pretty good guys. Um. You know, they've they've got a good goalie, a really good early prospect, um, fresh out of the WHL, and, and you know they've they've got some experience mixed in there as well. So it, it's it's sort of like taking a, a good chunk of another AHL team of guys that you'd actually want and mixing them in with the Rampage. I, I'd love to speculate on the depth chart and the lines and stuff like that, but I still have no idea. It's it's. We're all scratching our heads, the, the running with the herd guys and I and Jackie and everybody. We're just like, I, I just, I have no idea what this team's going to look like, but it, <laughs> it, it looks like they have enough talent to be pretty good. Yeah, the, the St. Louis sharing thing is weird, but it should, uh, it should help the Rampage at the end of the day. They get, they get more players to choose from, which always means better overall. Um, so while we're on the subject of the defenders, um, let's have an eye towards Nikita Zadorov, who, I mean, the question was kind of loaded, but he, he got called out just a little bit for his conditioning by uh, by Bednar the other day. Um, you make anything of that comment at all? I think I think Z's the kind of guy that that, that you're going to have to sort of use a little bit more stick than carrot with. You know, he's a big, he's a very important part of the defense this year. I mean, they're they're not just sort of counting on him to be solid third pair guy. I mean, they want him up, you know, playing top four minutes. So, you know, they they just can't let him slide if he's inconsistent. So, I, I think they're really going to call him out when he needs to be called out. I'll agree to that, especially coming off the heels of the whole contract drama that he just wrapped up not that long ago. You don't want it the, the first thing that your coach says publicly about you that, well, you're a step behind the rest of the guys. Yeah. That's. That's. Yeah. He's, that's I, just something that. Uh, you, you don't want that. You don't want that word to kind of get out, especially with the, uh, the, the stereotypes that exist about Russian players, regardless of who they are, what position they play. And he also he came into camp and said, "Oh, I've been working." Bednar's like, "Yeah, wait a minute, not not so fast, my friend." Yeah, and uh, and I thought it was kind of like visible in what chances, excuse me, what chances we've had to see him because obviously it's the Avalanche, so you don't get to watch every preseason game. Um, but what I have seen of him, he did he looked just kind of you know stiff and a little bit ragged, like just not loose. You know, like he looked like he was kind of having to force himself to, to make things happen instead of just doing them, you know. So um, hopefully with uh, a little, little bit more time, there's several more days of practice to uh, get to regular season yet. Hopefully he'll have some chances to limber up those uh, unused body muscles and brain muscles and get back to normal. Yeah. Right. I'd be willing to give him more of a, more of a, a break. Okay, that was a bad choice of words, but I'd be able to be willing to give him more of a pass given the, you know, the fact that he you know, had the injury, but 
you've had all this time off to rehab and get ready for the season, especially even though the contract, you know, details notwithstanding, it's the player's responsibility to be ready once the contract is done and get to camp ready to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, you can kind of see by the timeline, like he should have been there for captain's practices, but he missed that. And he he was skating in in Miami, I guess, with a bunch of other NHL players, but that was probably not as competitive as it would have been at, at the Avs practices. So, um, yeah, you know, he's he's going to be a little bit behind for a while. It's just, you know, it's just part of the situation. It's unfortunate, but yeah, and and maybe you can blame the injury some, but I I think the whole if you blame it on the holdout, that's an excuse. Like, he, this is a pro athlete. Right. These guys spend all summer on conditioning. They don't get in shape in training camp anymore. Yeah. So, um, anything else on defenders? Anybody going once, going five hundred uh, times? Yeah. I'd like to see Eric, Eric Johnson uh, really step up as not just a leader on the defense, but also as a leader in the locker room as well. Yeah, EJ's looked really good, and they've 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 given him a ton of minutes. Yeah, and that's not something that actually happened as much as you might think it did uh, last year and in. You know, he was getting <clears throat> he would sometimes be sort of third in time on ice last year and, and you're kinda like, so um number one defenseman, huh? And you know, he he's looked fantastic. He's looked like a number one guy and they've been giving you know, there was one game I think he had twenty seven minutes and the next closest guy was maybe around twenty. So they are treating him like the number one guy, and that's great to see. Well, to be fair, there have been like four million penalty minutes a game, so he's been able to just kind of scoop around on the back end of, of a power play a lot. Yeah, well, I think it was. I'm trying to. This might have been the Vegas game. He played 26 minutes and had seven minutes of PK and four minutes on the power play. Okay. So. <laughs> you came prepared with numbers. Well done. <laughs> Yeah, I just, you know, something like that kind of stands out. Yeah. Um, but it looks like um, Eric Johnson and Nathan McKinnon are probably going to catch the A's this year, especially with Matt Duchesne trying to wiggle his way out. He doesn't really need to have an A anymore. That doesn't make any sense. Um, so, But, I mean, that's something that, that we've been calling for for a long time. We keep hearing from, from outlets like BSN that Eric Johnson is a loud, positive voice in the locker room, like, Let's you know. Let's go kick some ass tonight, boys. That kind of thing. So uh, that's that's about time. He's he's been in that role for a while, and it's it's nice of the team to recognize him. Yeah, I think that's a great sign of his maturity as an individual and as a player because he was still he still is trying to cope with the uh, the rep, the uh, all the trimmings of of being a first overall pick when he got, you know, when uh, Patrick Waugh got here. And then since then, you just really has seen the transformation in him, not just in his game, but as a person, even going so far as to say uh, not so long ago on an interview with Mosier that, you know, being the longest tenure have, it's up to him to be one of those leaders in the locker room now. And it's good to see. You want, you want to see that out of your... Uh, you know, out of your roster saying, you know, I want to be seen as a leader and help lead this team. 
Yeah, I thought that was hilarious because Duchesne's been there longer. <laughs> well, I, I don't want to speculate about things of that, that sort, but... Uh, that's, that's why I'm choking over here, yeah. Um, whew, that's, that's, that's pretty good. And there are like two people that are going to laugh with me on that one. Um, so, before we jump into the priests and proper, I do also want to stop and talk about the forwards as they stand today, too. Uh, Colorado have a good problem on their hands right now there, which is that Alex Kerfoot has killed it so much he forced himself onto the roster. Oops. Um, so, last year's forwards again. Um, brace yourself for some of these names, by the way. Uh, Gabriel Bork, Rennie Bork, Joe Colborn, Blake Como, Matt Duchesne, Mikhail Gregorenko, Old Drew McGinla, Gabe Landeskog, Nathan McKinnon, Andreas Martinson, Cody McLeod, John Mitchell, Miko Rantanen, Ben Smith, which is Oof. a name that no one remembers, and Carl Soderberg. Uh, this year, ignoring the injured players, we still have Gabriel Bork because of the injured players, uh, Blake Como, Matt Duchesne, Gabe Landeskog, Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen, and Carl Soderberg return. And then we add in Sven Andergetto, JT Comfer, Tyson Jost, Alex Kerfoot, Matt Nieto, Colin Wilson, and Niall Yakupov. Tell me, in one or two words, what's different here? Younger, faster. Would you change? I was going to ask, is Carl actually back? I didn't, I didn't see him recently. Well, he is, um, Dater is speculating that he may be in the press box to start the year. Um, so he's technically back. The The only word I would add to Vlad's two is skilled. You know, yeah. There's, there's more skill in these names. It's not proven skill. Um, it, it may not be elite skill, but it's also not... You know, pucks in deep, go try to go chase it down, but don't have the speed to actually do it. Yeah, it's no chip and chase. Bad skill, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, Kerfoot's been, you know, he he's he's been very impressive, and you know, I, I keep wanting to caution myself that it, he still hasn't played an NHL game yet, and he hasn't really played against NHLers to any degree, so. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens when the first pair defense takes him on and things like that. But um, just what he's been able to do, especially on the power play, which is a good place to start for him, just because that's going to be easier for a, a rookie in the league to, to deal with. Um, he can create space. He's a great passer. He has great vision. And if the speed of the game and the physicality of the game doesn't overwhelm him, he's going to be, a I don't know, just found money. Right. Um, but the, the forwards should be, like, the way that they've done this to get away from the old and the slow and to give us some actual possible depth scoring, which we yelled about all last season. Like, yeah, the defense wasn't very good, but it wasn't the problem. If you can't score, it doesn't matter how many goals you, you stop. Um, it's it's going to be a hundred times more watchable than it was last year. I'm very confident in that and very in- encouraged by the possibility that maybe I won't want to turn every game off after 40 minutes. Because the end of last year, it was hard to watch the third periods of games. I, I can attest to that, being there live. <laughs> can't turn that off. Nope. <laughs> it's like, I can't leave. I paid for this. <laughs> Boy, am I paying for this. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's not a good year to be an Avalanche season ticket rep. (laughs) The thing is, the way they've put everyone together, um, you've got three exciting lines. And even the fourth, when you consider that Tyson Jost will probably be centering the fourth line to begin. Um, How bad could that be? You know, even if whoever is on the right wing, you've got he and Matt Nieto uh, together, and and that can always be exciting. So, yay. We do have the uh, all-offense, no-defense line between uh, Duchesne and Yak and Kerfoot. Um, and then Nathan McKinnon's line seems a little bit more balanced, which will be, which will be good. That probably means that they'll have a little bit more. They'll they'll be more likely to start on the, in the neutral zone or in the defensive end, where they actually have the time for McKinnon to u- build up and use his speed. Because um, starting him, him in the offensive zone kind of limits one of his major assets. Um, whereas Duchesne is a little bit better, like below the line and all that stuff. And Sven has been stretching out the D really well. As um, a lot of people are calling it cherry picking, and it kind of is, but um, he will bolt and really draw the D back, and that creates a lot of space for Mac and Miko to do what they need to do to get the puck up the ice, and that's been really fun to watch. Or for Eric Johnson to hit him with a hundred foot pass for a breakaway. Wee! That was awesome. That was really cool. Yeah. Don't change your lines when those guys. <laughs> You're gonna get burned. Um, all right, so we're ready to to move on into some some preseason. Sure. All right, so let's uh, start with the opening home game against Vegas. The Abs fell four one to the Vegas Not Aces. McKinnon scored the lone goal. Spencer Martin stopped twenty four of twenty eight, and I think a point has to come soon, where we have the conversation about whether he's gonna have it, because. At no point has Spencer Martin had the opportunity to impress me and taken it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, he's he's definitely had a, I don't know, I'll, I'll call it up and down, but mostly down preseason. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can see why there's not a lot of confidence there, but I'd just for optimism's sake, I'm going to go with, you know, he just had a, he had a poor spring. He's now with a new coach, and that's going to take a little while. And I don't know. He, he won a game where he got just shelled with shots all night um, down in San Antonio on Friday night. So that's hopeful. But, I mean, even just in the rookie showcase, he got showed up by, of all people, Petr Kvacha, So I mean. Yeah. Now, he's, he's, got a, he's got a long way to go to get back to we were kind of thinking he was – uh, when he got called up for the first time in January. Yep. So, um, next, the Stars came around, and they faced a very NHL player-laden avalanche lineup that spanked them 5-1. Goals from Warsawski, Andrew Ghetto, Sergei Boykov, Kerfoot, and Duchesne. Yakupov had three assists in this one, as Avs fans started to learn about the chemistry he has with Kerfoot and Duchesne. Uh, this was the game that Boykov got hurt in, right? Yeah. And then... Right after his goal, I think. Right, and uh, AJ Greer is hurt too. That was was that that wasn't in this <coughs> game, was it? I think that was the next game, maybe. Okay, uh, so well, I that'd be weird because Colorado then took the opposite opposite situation to Minnesota the next night and played a bunch of guys who weren't making the team anyway against mostly the Minnesota Wild. They played really well, but they didn't have the scoring talent to beat Dubnik without Rocco Grimaldi getting tripped through him. 
Um, 2-1, not bad. Next Minnesota. Carl, Sod- Carl Soderberg was the first-line center. That's all you need to know about the offense there. Yeah, so uh, the next day, Minnesota sent their scrubos to Denver to play the mostly Colorado Avalanche. Avs win 5-1 and outshoot Minnesota 39-29. to Nathan McKinnon had two goals and an assist. Varlamov was great. Honestly, way more Avs had points than didn't. Um, in the second-last contest, Colorado took some guys to Dallas and came away with a 4-2 win despite getting outshot badly. Bernier and Varlamov split this one as Bernier kind of tweaked something, but he should ultimately be fine. Uh, Rantanen had a 2.9, but otherwise this was scoring by committee for the Avs. And finally, the Big Russ coming out party. Avs win 4-2 over the Vegas Not Aces despite getting heavily outshot again. Two points each for Chris Begray and Andrew Ghetto. Varley was outstanding, and not a whole lot else can really be said about that one. But welcome to the NHL, Chris Begray. He had a hell of a night. Yeah. Now he 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 basically locked up his spot. I I think that he and Warsawski being in the lineup for that game, usually in the last game, you're putting your um, sort of projected lineup in there for opening night, and instead they had sort of battles going on in in the uh, with the defense, and it was basically Bigra versus Warsawski, and, and Bigra won big time. So that was a lot of games and a lot of my voice, so I'm going to shut up now and let you guys fight amongst yourselves. Uh, preseason results don't matter, but individuals do. So this may be one of the more important three stars and three scratches of the season. Let's limit this to guys who are sticking in the NHL. Who impressed you positively? Who impressed you negatively? We'll start with stars. Um, I'm going to go with Kerfoot first just because, I mean – if you had asked me a month ago where he would be today, I would say he'd probably be getting ready for the week of practice in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. And he's definitely not. Do you think that's based on uh, for me, performance or your knowledge of the player? Um, I mean, I, I think in any past year that he wouldn't have had much team. I think they would have said sort of like, let's take a look in training camp and send him to San Antonio. And if something happens, maybe we'll call him up. But mm-hmm. he was given a fair shot to make the team. Uh, he was given a great opportunity with two other skilled players and Matt Duchesne and Nail Yakupov. And, you know, he really took it. And, you know, he earned that spot rather than falling ass backwards into it. Okay. So who are you about to go with there, Vlad? Well, uh, I was going to say that uh, – uh, Andrew Ghetto is definitely one of the guys that I, I saw stand out, and not just for his uh, his cherry picking acumen, if we want to call it that, but <laughs> like uh, like Zadorov, he's coming into a season where he just signed a new deal, and he's got to prove himself, especially being a smaller player, to be able to stick onto the forward top nine with all of this new young talent coming in with guys like Kerfoot and Yakupov and whoever else we, we put on there, like Hoffer and uh, and Greer, if he ever, you know, gets the call after he recovers from his concussion. But I, I like to, I'd like to see that consistency. He had uh, he had two goals, two assists in the three uh, preseason games that he dressed in. So that, to me, shows... I know that we saw the small sample size after the trade deadline where he put in... Uh, he was nearly a point per game in 19 games. And... To me, that gives me a bit of a sigh of relief that it wasn't just small sample size. There is some consistency in his game. And to see that uh, level of consistency on the offense over a longer course of 
of the season, I think that's going to be a welcome sight and a very a, a relief out that we had in goals and points last year. Yeah, you're getting and to have him do that, especially for one who's. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah. Okay. I'll so. Agree. I, I agree with Sven. I mean, that's if you think about it, that's you know that's one of the most desirable spots in the lineup. Um, if you're going to play next to McKinnon and Rantanen, right? Um, that that's you know if you're being offered that spot, you really want to make sure that you keep it. And you know, he he proved he belonged with those two, and that he could actually add something to that line that they don't really have. And that's you know, like I was talking about stretching out the defense and using his speed like that. So, um, you know, that, that I, I think that is a really good job by him in the preseason. Sven is one of my favorite stories going into the season just because, like, he was such a bright spot for such a dark team last year. And he's going to be in a different situation this year. He's got um, somehow even more to prove after being traded for Andreas Goddamn Martinson last year. Um, so, like, that was a chip on your shoulder, but now you got to prove that that's who you actually are. So I'm really interested to see what he's able to produce this year. Yeah. Um, I want to... Uh, I, I kind of want to turn this third one over to Vlad, actually, just to ask, who is somebody that impressed you that maybe we didn't get to see because it wasn't on TV. Well, maybe at the home games that you're that you're able to go to that no one else is able to actually watch because it's the Avalanche and they don't think we care. <laughs> <laughs> if if I had to pick, I would probably say uh, I would probably say Andre Mironov was probably one of those guys. Uh, you didn't notice any you know flashy play for him, but the, the consistent play, which is what you want in your defenseman, especially for a young defenseman coming in to earn a roster spot, I thought was pretty, uh, you know, pretty refreshing, pretty admirable to see. Mm-hmm. So getting lost in the shuffle of the bigger names, like how's Tyson Berry going to do? What's the deal with Zadorov? And how the rest of the, the defense is going to shape up with Boykov and uh, coming into the, uh, coming into the mix you kind of forget about guys like that. So for him to just quietly do his thing and quietly do his thing well, even though he uh, isn't a big flashy name, I think was pretty neat to see. Yeah, that's good to hear. I mean, because he's, you know, he's someone we don't really know much as far as a track record about how he's going to fit into the lineup. Um, It kind of looks like he's going to be the seventh guy, but I think that he, I mean... It's not going to be like seventh dude that never plays. I, I, I think that they'll be rotating in. Um, I, I think the seventh guy will play a lot more than the seventh guy would have last year. I mean, he's not going to be Eric Jelena and never play. Most definitely. This this year, the seventh guy should usually be Miro and Lindholm with occasionally b when he needs to sit and watch for a night. So... That's how I hope they do it. I hope they, I hope they play b more than anyone else just because he has the most to gain from playing... Um, and hopefully that'll be something that's used as like, you know, learning moments and not doghouse moments, like in past regimes. Uh, yeah. You know, not, not that the avalanche have, have had a doghousing problem in the past. No, of course not. <laughs> so, um, who, 
from the NHL side of NHL perspective, do we want to look at as mm, kind of disappointing in the preseason? Who are we not happy with? Well, I mean, I'd say my favorite guy, but I don't want to talk. But what? Wilson. <laughs> you know, frankly, I never even noticed him in the games that I that I watched, I, which was all the games I was able to watch because I'm a sucker. Um, but I, I saw the number 22 go by a couple of times, and my first thought was Matt Hunwick. And then my second thought was, we don't have him anymore. <laughs> and that was the total of my thoughts about Colin Wilson in the preseason. I, you know, I, I've said my piece on him. I don't like him. I don't. Season. Yeah, you, you think that trade was unnecessary and unhelpful. Correct, Amundo. Definitely been over that. <laughs> <laughs> Who's let you down, Vlad? Oh my gosh, that that's a really challenging question because. I have one eye on the ice, one eye in the, in the camera viewfinder for, for Burgundy Rainbow. So it's really hard for me to pick someone like that. Uh, so just throw, throwing a name out there, I would probably say, where was Linus Gog in the preseason? Ooh. Hmm. Maybe something to watch. We'll see. Because yeah, I don't think I call this name that's a cool. in my rundown. I don't see it. I hadn't thought about it either, though. Yeah, it, 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 I throw the question out there, but I don't even have an answer for it. It's like, where, where was this guy? We, we know where we know where Carl Soderberg is. That's, that's easy. He's in the mystery spot. But with... <laughs> But when it's your captain and you want to make sure that you, you as the captain, when you give the uh, management, I want to be your speech, okay, where were you? <laughs> I, I think he is kind of getting unlucky right now because the uh, Kerfoot, Yak, Duchesne line has clicked so well immediately. And Andrew Ghetto with McKinnon and Rantanen has clicked so well immediately that Landis Gog is just kind of stuck in a third-line-ish role. Um, I wouldn't call it that. They they played second-line minutes, and they basically matched up against the second line and the second pair in Vegas. Um, both both Connor and Landis Gog played a ton of special teams. Um, yeah, that's true. They, the they, special teams thing is, again, a thing. Yeah, it's. I mean, the special teams skewed everything so much that it's really tough to get a read at what guys were doing five on five. Yeah. But um, I need to calm that down. It's unwatchable. Yeah, um, but but both Landy and Comfer in the last game had more than Landy was seven minutes of special teams time, and Comfer was over over six. So. Uh, to me, those guys are taking a lot of tough minutes and doing a lot of things that maybe the top lines, you know, aren't capable of. I I, I don't want to call them a third because I do think they will probably end up second in time on ice consistently. Uh, 
And if that's what they're doing, if they're doing a lot of important work on special teams, great. I mean, like like I said, full disclosure, you know, I have one eye on the ice, one eye on the viewfinder. So if it's very possible that he's out there doing great stuff and I'm just not seeing it because I'm trying to get, you know, get shots for Burgundy Rainbow. But from what I could tell, I I didn't see anything from him. Granted, I only I only saw two of the six preseason games, so that isn't a, a very significant sample size on my part. Yeah, I I, I really think that line is going to be important. Whoever ends up in the final game, it was Colin Wilson for a lot of it, but he wasn't that great, so they started putting Jost up there a bunch, and line actually ended up scoring the final goal of the preseason when Comfer had a wonderful shot that bounced off the goalie and Joe's kicked in. Um, you know, it, it's, I, I can see why he might disappear a little bit, but I, I think as the season wears on that, that would be, you know, almost as dangerous as the other ones, as far as scoring. For my scratch, I want to break my own rule a little bit. And it, it's, it's too bad that he's got an injury now, but, um, AJ Greer was frustrating the way that we were expecting him to, um, you know, be a guy who would be, if not, if not on the team, but at least in the mix for one of the bottom two lines and spent most of camp and most of preseason running around. Like he only played one. I'll agree to that. But like even rookie showcase, like he was spending more time running around than, you know, making hockey plays happen. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know if that's a message from him to the staff or from the staff to him. Um, I wasn't wild about it either, but, <coughs> excuse me, uh, but he's, you know, he's still so young and needs to figure out what he wants to be and, you know, hopefully gets over this concussion quickly and, and goes down to San Antonio. And, you know, re- regains the offensive prowess he had early in last year and earns a call-up quickly. Yeah, gives back to playing hockey instead of playing human pinball. Yeah, I mean, he, he you know, I, I can see him being physical. I just, I'm not wild about the fighting thing. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, that's just, you know, if that's just a preseason thing, fine. If that continues when he's down in then there's definitely some problems showing up. Okay, so we've got three and and three. And didn't hear a whole lot of dissent on, like, any of them, so that, that's good. We have consensus. No, Because yeah. uh, so, there's been some very rare times when we have been agreed on Stars and Scratches, but today we don't have to have to get into it. Instead, I think you know. I think the preseason was pretty cut and dry. Yeah. I don't think there was a lot of stuff that you could look at several different ways. No. But instead, let's look at the, at the season, shall we? Let's do it. Sure. So, um, playoffs, book it. Oh yeah. Twice. Twice. They're gonna even the rampage are gonna make the NHL playoffs, huh? <laughs> oh yeah. Um, yeah. So. Who makes the playoffs out of the Central, out of Conference 3? That's so tough. It would be pretty shocking if Nashville didn't. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with Dallas, for sure. I, I, 
I'm, I've, I, I don't would know. put Dallas on my bad side. I don't think yeah, Dallas is going to be any good at all. That's 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 maybe not for me. Um, uh. If it's anything. Thing that I've learned from watching a Ken Hitchcock coach team is he will make sure that his team gets positioned to be in the playoffs. As far as playoff success, that's a whole other story. I think he can get the stars there. I think Bishop's not that great, and he's going to hate his defense. Yeah, I don't think they're going to be there. So, um... And and maybe this we've been saying this for every year of the podcast. Maybe this is the year Chicago doesn't make it. Um, who knows? There's just it, there's just gonna be such competition in the central between Chicago, St. Louis, Nashville, um, and Minnesota to, to a degree. Um, plus, the Pacific should be just better. So I mean, the central may get three teams. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Um... You know, I, I'm I'm not that high on St. Louis right now. Um, I, I think they could wash out. I, you know, it's just the, I think every team has its warts, and whether they're going to be tragic or not, it's going to take a little while to see. Tragic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I mean I I really you know I, I think it would be the wildest stroke of luck if if teams like the Abs and and the Jets are in the conversation late, but, um, you know, that could happen too. I mean, I, it, Winnipeg nothing, would, nothing would really surprise me other than Nashville not making it. I agree with that, but I, Winnipeg wouldn't be a total shock to me either because they've never been that bad of a team. They've just had garbage-ass goaltending, and they've actually replaced their goaltender. So, I mean, they, Yeah, but they, Paul Maurice is still there, so they're going to be terrible. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think my three would be Chicago, Nashville, and, and St. Louis to surprise nobody. With with Minnesota kind of right there on the line, and then Dallas and Winnipeg below that. With the Avalanche probably above Dallas, I would guess. I, I have no confidence in Dallas at all this year. Wow. Yeah. Mine would be more like Nashville, Chicago, Minnesota, and St. Louis maybe in I, – I think they're very borderline. Dallas kind of – Yeah, Dallas and Dallas and St. Louis to me are, are maybe, maybe not territory. And I don't have high hopes for, for Winnipeg. And the Avs could be – I don't know. They might be ahead of a couple of those teams if, if all goes right. I'm going to stick with Dallas, I'm going to go with Chicago, and I'm taking Nashville. So we all, we seem to be pretty much in agreement that we're going to have five Californian teams make the playoffs. I'm interested. Neither of you seem to think the Wild are going to be there. I think they're right on the line. I, if they switch places with St. Louis, it wouldn't surprise you very much, but I don't think yeah. they're... I just... If, if, if the... If we even spend two months of the season with slightly more stick penalties than last year, Minnesota will lose 75% of those games. That's a good point. Okay. I, I'm on board that train. I'm, I'm just calling out my own uh, lack of knowledge on this, but what's the plan for Minnesota if Dubnik is, it gets hurt this year and he pulls a Varley, so to speak? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> not or, too good. Or if he has even a slightly down year, like 
He's a but you can say that about anyone. I mean, it's like if in Bishop's, I don't think Bishop's, but we saw what Lettinen was like when the Avs played him. My goodness, I could have probably done that. Eh, Lettinen's always been that way. They're like he'll he'll shut you out one night and then give up ten the next. Just one of those guys, kind of Augustusson a little bit. <laughs> He's a monster. Um, a monster. But who who would be that fifth team out of the Pacific? Like I. I, I think we're probably in agreement with, with Calgary, Edmonton, Anaheim, and San Jose, right? Or do Don't we, know about Calgary. Or, or would someone put L.A. in that group before? I wouldn't put L.A. in there at all. I wouldn't either. Yeah, I think L.A. is going to be pretty bad. But then who's team <clears> five? I, I don't I'm – not, I'm not dead sure that they're going to get five teams in. I, I think that I, – I think they, it, it could easily be four four. Um, and I just, I, I, I don't know how to call that, but you know, I, I think Anaheim, San, San Jose and, and Edmonton, you can kind of put in there and pen Calgary, you know, that goalie situation. Was that the right move? Uh, <laughs> <sure> it was. <laughs> you if know, you they, score they five goals to... a night, you don't yeah. need Dominic Hoshik. Exactly. You know, it's like if they can outscore that move, then okay, they're in there. It's all going to depend on Johnny Badro. Yeah. And I, I think Vancouver and Arizona are going to be terrible. And LA ought to be tor- terrible. Oh, I forgot, just... I forgot about Vancouver entirely. Everybody sure. does. <laughs> <laughs> they're bad. <laughs> I'll I'll go out on a limb and I'll say that Arizona will finish higher than Vancouver in the standings. Oh, I'll, uh, I'll I'll go with that. I don't, I don't think, think that's too much of a limb. Yeah, <laughs> fifty-eight points is fine, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then How ecstatic would we have been if we had fifty-eight points last season? <laughs> <laughs> Five more wins. And still lost. Hey, the that's <laughs> that's almost sixty. That would have been the mantra this past summer. We almost hit 60 points. Almost 60. 58 points would have been a week and a half long winning streak last season that did not happen. Yeah. A week and a half of losses turned into wins. Ugh. Ugh. Trying to think, what was their longest winning streak last year? I don't know if they got two games. I don't think they won three in a row. Was it? They won three? I don't think so. I was going to say, I'm thinking it was either one or maybe. It was two. Now, is that counting overtime wins? Yep. I I think it was actually uh, uh, regulation wins. The back-to-back regulation wins happened? Okay. I I don't think they had three wins in a row of any variety. They did not. So, um, before we look at some completely baseless player predictions. Uh, there's a few interesting moments in the season to, to mention. Uh, one stretch that's going to cause some issues later on in the year, as far as like playing a lot of games is concerned, is in November, when Colorado play the Ottawa Senators in Stockholm. That's, uh, that's Sweden. They'll be off for four days to travel and adjust. They'll play back-to-back, and then they'll have four days off again to travel and readjust. So, two games in ten days. Then... Huh. Then in December, they have 10 games in 18 days, including four road games in six days. 
Um, there's a five-game homestand in late November, early December, and none of the teams coming to Denver should be any good except Calgary. So that's a very important stretch of games if you want the team to have playoff hopes. Um, I don't have the calendar open in front of me right this second, but it was like Winnipeg and Arizona and teams like that. Um, so then they'll play nine out of ten at home after Christmas as well. February is a disaster. That's 14 games. Their longest break is two days, and it happens once. And then in March, they do the same thing, except there's also a back-to-back with travel. So for two months, they're going to be pretty much playing every other day, playing a lot of road games. That's going to be a tough chunk of the schedule. That, yeah, uh, that, that very cool... hook you up when you get 48 points. Yeah. That, that very cool, like, Landis Gog versus Eric Carlson thing in Sweden is really messing up the schedule because it takes so much time to travel and adjust to the time zone. Is Carlson even going to be healthy for that? I don't know. Yeah. No. <laughs> With his bionic ankle, who knows? <laughs> Half of it's gone, but it feels fine, I guess. It does, I can't say it hurts. It just feels weird. Yeah, it's just gone. <laughs> Just shaved it right off. That's such a weird <laughs> deal he's got going. I mean, I mean, we'll see how long he stays amazing. Like when half of his body is prosthetic, we'll see what he what he can do. Hopefully, he doesn't have any more serious long term injuries. That would be very unfair for the league. Yeah. Yes. And especially for Ottawa, who are the team that most people are most likely to forget exists. At least in America. I thought that was Vancouver. No, that's just that was a weird happening. We usually remember Vancouver. At least in America, we forget Ottawa constantly. Ah. The Canadian teams don't because they're Canadian. So um, let, let's make some really stupid, baseless garbage predictions. Uh, who do you think has the most goals on the team this season? Me, Carl Soderberg. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Miko's Back with a one-eyed vengeance. Miko's the, the kind of default answer. I see where you're going there. As long as he stays on the line with Nathan McKinnon, and that that is a, not a bad choice. Yeah, I, I I'm gonna call Miko for thirty goals. Miko for thirty. Bold. Bold. I can't disagree with Miko for most goals. Um. But if I, had Neither to, can I. if I had to pick somebody else, I don't know who I'd pick. But what if it was Sven? That'd be something. Or Yak. That would be fantastic. I don't think it'll be. I don't think it'll be Yak. He's not like like he is a shooter, but that doesn't mean he's been creating goals off his own stick. He's been creating like rebound goals. I mean, with Kerfoot feeding him, if Kerfoot is any good at all. Um, you know, that, that line could really rack him up. Yeah, and as long as Matt Duchesne stays around, we know what he can do from below the goal line, so. Um, what about most points in general? I'm going to go with Mac. McKinnon. Yeah. That one's pretty easy. <clears throat> I don't really know how to, how to phrase this one, um... Because like I want to say who will score the most power play goals, but I also want to say will anyone score a power play goal? <laughs> um, 
I'll tell you what, the, the goal that Yakupov scored off that set play on a faceoff was fantastic. Now, that's easy to scout. It's not that easy to defend. <clears throat> but if they can do stuff like that, you know, if they can be disciplined enough on the power play and Ray Bennett gives them enough sort of set plays and just things to, to confuse the defense, um, you know, I'm a little bit optimistic about how the power play will go. Okay. I, I, I would not be surprised to see Yak get 75% of his goals on the power play. Now, whether that's 75% of four goals or 20 goals is yet to be seen. <laughs> <laughs> it could be either. Um, but that's where he's going to make his next contract or lose it, is on the power play. Yeah. Um, who do we think is going to lead the defenseman in points? Could you repeat that? You you faded out on me. Who leads the defenseman in points? Tyson Berry. Yeah. Uh, other than Tyson Berry. He's obvious. Other than... EJ. Okay. 40 points. Book it. 40 points for EJ. Rip. Ugh. He's got to play 80 games for that to happen. He's gonna. It, this is the alternate year. <laughs> <laughs> Next year, uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The big one. Over-under for the Avalanche, 78 points. Ooh. Over. Under. If not, explain your answers. I just, I, I think, I think they're just going to go through some growing. I think that probably struggle from now until somewhere between Thanksgiving and Christmas, and then sort of after Christmas, really start playing as a team and, and, and look a lot better. Um, but I just, I don't know. I, I think it. Getting more than seventy-eight points would be a lot. Would be a lot to ask with what we know right now. Okay. Why over? I'm going to say over because they'll have a a full season of a healthy Semyon Varlamov, and when your number one goaltender is is there, <laughs> might be the hottest take today. Right. <laughs> Hot takes coming at you. <laughs> I can see why you dropped it, though. It must have burned your skin. <laughs> I know. I'm standing over my sink right now, and i got to like have the cold water going here. I am on the underside myself, um, and it's actually not for the same reason as Earl's. It's similar. Um, I, I think that the team will you know, struggle early. I think they will be able to start playing better as a team quicker than you do. But I also think that as the season goes on, you've got a lot of guys who are not used to the full-time NHL grind, and it's going to be a rough one for the team this year with them playing, like, 30 games in, like, seven weeks. So um, I think you'll, you'll see some guys kind of start to fall off as the year goes on who are, you know, like, like your Tyson Josts, your, um, your th those kinds of guys who haven't been do doing the daily NHL ever before 
I just I'm I'm tired of being optimistic in the preseason. I mean, last time I actually points in the miracle year and they got 112. But since then, it's just you know I haven't been anywhere close. So I'll go negative this time and and hopefully it hope, evens out. Hope to be wrong again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and I picked 78 points on purpose um, because. That's a 30-point increase over last year, which is massive, but yeah. also extremely possible because the 48 was so goddamn low. I, I, yeah. I would not be – like, if I had to guess on their point total, 78 is where I would come down. Yeah, I, I and I wouldn't be surprised if they had 90 points. I mean, that, but it just – That's going to depend. Know, knowing what I know three. now, I just – yeah, there's no justification for it. I, I think the upper 70s is the right range for this team. Yeah. Vlad is willing to go lower 80s. Yes, I am. I'm going to say 84. 84. Oof. Over yeah. 500. Even mid-80s. Yeah, 500 doesn't matter. <laughs> Not in the age of the loser point. <laughs> nope. Five hundred is a mirage and a lie. So, um, all right. I've already spoiled my answer to this one, which is Sven Ander Ghetto. Uh, what's the storylines you guys are most looking forward to this year? Hmm. I I think Varley staying healthy is key to everything, um, and for, for that matter, Varley and uh, Bernier staying healthy together because they've got no plan C. <laughs> no, they don't. Plan C is the trade <laughs> plan. Plan yeah. C. You cannot have a plan C. <laughs> oh, <wow>. oh. <laughs> we came so close to making it through the show without a pun. So close. <laughs> <laughs> Now, if if Martin has a great first half and then and proves that that he's sort of justified in, in coming up to the NHL for another look, you know, maybe a plan C develops during the season. But right now, uh, the thought of either or both of those guys being injured is just tragic. I mean, <laughs> right. know, if, if, yeah. If, I mean, right now. The, the plan C would, would get them about half of their point total from last year. Right now, the, the the third goalie situation is a bit like it was before we knew that Calvin Pickard could play in the NHL. Yeah. Because he was, he is never, like, he was never the guy that anybody expected to be the Avalanche goaltender. Like, he, except, he, except he, for me. Except for you. Like, like, mostly people did not look at Calvin Pickard as, well, he's going to be their third and eventually second option. It's always been Spencer Martin, but nope. Pickard came up and did it. So we may we may get surprised. I, I would like to be surprised by positive goaltending developments. Um, yeah, we should need some. Because we're probably four or five years away from Petr Kavacha being able to do that himself if he ends up being that guy. Bruto was saying that Adam Werner was, was playing well. Isn't Adam Werner like a million feet tall? He's a big fella. <laughs> He's definitely big in Swedish. Big in Swedish? 
<laughs> so he's like an Ikea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but, I, you know, it, it's tough to look at the Avalanche's goalie really be sanguine about, you know, now or soon in the future. But yeah, it's it's Varley and Bernier and question marks. So yeah, come on, trainers, come yeah. on, hip surgeon. <laughs> so are you ready for some good news? I love some good news. Me too. This week, the regular season starts. Oh yeah! Oh boy! Real NHL hockey actually begins. I don't know about y'all. But I hate the offseason. It's good to get a break, but hockey talk in the offseason is exhausting. And preseason is dreadful. But on Thursday, there's actually watchable games. When the Avalanche opened the season in New York, New York, against the Rangers. It's a 5 o'clock mountain start on altitude. And then on Saturday, they have stopped down in New Jersey for a matinee with the Devils, which is 12 o'clock mountain on altitude, and in Canada on Sportsnet. So we'll Day have, game. Oh. Yeah, we'll have two games to open up the year. Um, usually we've had like one to talk about on the show, so this is nice. The, the team do not open up at home this year. They don't play at home until the middle of next week. Um, but, they, you know, they usually have that like five-game East Coast trip between a home opener and then a second home game. So this year they're just getting the three games and then coming back home and playing some games. So it's... Uh, it's an interesting take on an avalanche season. That's not one we've seen in a while, but the the North the 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 the, 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 the New England start is not new at all. I don't know <laughs> why that's always what happens, but it is. It's a sign of fall. Go go ahead well, upstate and look at some red trees real quick. Just go on. <laughs> so this is the first time we've had a chance to do this in a while. Um how many points do we want to predict this week? Duh. Um, they're not playing Montreal. <laughs> yeah, I. You know, it, it wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me if they. Be- uh, I think. Try points. that again. Okay. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if they beat the Rangers and lost to the Devils, but I think two points is where it's at. For me, it's the opposite. I think that they can beat the Devils before they can beat the Rangers. Um, but it'll be either two or zero. I'm going to go with three. I'm going to say a, a loss in overtime to the Rangers and a regulation win in Jersey. That's very specific. You predicted a regulation win and a coin flip to come out in the Avs' favor. It's very specific. Will we play Bo- Will Butcher in New Jersey? I think no. so. <laughs> <laughs> like it? Did he? He didn't get cut or anything, did he? I've heard. It seems like that would be all over Av's Twitter if, if Will Butcher got cut, just because we're goddamn spiteful people. I don't know. I know. I sure. I certainly don't care. I, I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> like. It, it makes me no difference what happens with, with him now. Um, I would, look, just because you guys asked, and so now I'm slightly curious. I would love to see Alex Kerfoot turnstile him on a breakaway for a goal. 
Not only is he still on the roster, he's the first defenseman listed on their roster because his last name starts with a B. Oh, I thought it was by height. Womp, womp. <laughs> he, he wears number 64. Why? He's a oh. Yak fan. The only person who should be wearing 64 is Mike Commodore. Let's, uh... So, seems like we're we're all expecting at least some kind of standing points to come out of this opening weekend, and that means that we'll be uh, feeling pretty happy when we when we meet again next week, right? I think so. I'm certainly hoping so. If what if we get zero? How sad will you be? Not at all, because we'll have real hockey. I like the answer. I'll. I won't. I wouldn't be too disappointed if they ha- didn't win either of those games. But if you're gonna win one road game, you'd think it would be Jersey, right? Maybe Arizona, maybe Vegas, but Jersey, right? Yeah, I mean, losing to Jersey would be tragic. But I mean, you, you know. would add Vancouver to this list if Colorado wasn't completely unable to beat Vancouver. Yeah. Yeah, I, I expect Vancouver to be terrible, and the Avs still lose a lot to them. Yeah, like both games <laughs> badly. <laughs> It's like, it's like the old Northwest dominance never went away. So, um, before I before I start to wrap, does anyone have any other bold predictions for the weekend? Carl Soderberg won't play. That isn't that bold. Eighties, <laughs> like I say, rejecting that. This will ensure this will never happen, but I will say Carl Soderberg briefly returns from the mystery spot in the Boston game and has a solid showing. I won't say he's going to be contributing or not contributing one way or another. He's at least just there. I see him on the ice on like, <laughs> what, what is that game, Tuesday? Monday, October 9th. Monday, okay. It's next week, though. So, yes. He won't be on the bench with a totally clean unit. Like wait, he wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's the... God damn it. I thought they quit doing this. So Monday is Columbus Day of next week. Not, not, yes, it is. Not, not Monday today as you're listening to the show. Monday of next week. It's Columbus Day, which is the day that for some reason Colorado plays on a day that, that most people don't get off work at 11 Mountain in Boston. Yes, I love it. Driving nuts. I hate that stuff. Yeah, I selfishly love this game because that has always been my birthday game. I love it. I, maybe it's not too late for me to take off Monday afternoon. We'll see. I'm out. It's a holiday in Massachusetts for sure. Yeah. Well, whatever happens this weekend, you know you can find out here. Thanks to uh, everyone for for tuning in again. Thanks to Earl and Vlad for spending their time with 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 me and with all of you today. Um, as always, you can get the latest abs, news and updates at burgundyrainbow.com. You can check out the podcast on soundcloud.com slash burgundyradio and at mixcloud.com slash burgundyradio and in iTunes and in your favorite RSS feed catcher. Um, if, if you are Randy and you use one of those, uh, what is it, pocket casts, you may still see the old Mile High Hockey logo. I don't know. It, I, don't, I don't know why it won't update. I've done everything I can think of. Um, if anyone has any insights, please hit me up on Twitter at StuffHouse11 or at Burgundy Radio or um, on the BR Discord. You can DM me there um, or you can post in the bug thread about it because it is most definitely a bug. Um, 
that's not still supposed to be there, and I wish it would go away. Um, but anyway, um, thanks for checking us out. We will be back to weekly. It's time for hockey, and it's time for, for us to be back to weekly. So keep your head up, get the dirty areas, and we will see you next week. Should we do the thing? Let's do it. All right. Gotta start the really sad fuck off, dude. I, I, <laughs> I didn't realize you are going to start that quick, man. <laughs> that was so loud. My God. <laughs> now you know why I had to get it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. Rip ears. All right, let's... <laughs> Intro bit. Probably not the two. best lead into what you're about to say, but not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Let's giggle through Dave Strader. Oh God, <laughs> he was such a great guy. <laughs> oh shit. Okay. Intro bit, second try. <laughs>